Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight we are moving into book two of the Darth Bane trilogy by Drew Carpishan, and we will be talking about the rule of two. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and of course with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you, Chad. Hey you, dummy. This is a uh, book club and not a review show. We're going to spoil this book. Over the course of our conversation, we may also bring up anything else Star Wars, including the release of, uh, what is it, Lego Terrifying Tales, I think it's called. That has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, hit us with some news. There's actually quite a lot going on over these last two weeks when I was <clears throat> sitting down to kind of organize everything. <laughs> Starting off over in the world of video games, um, we know that there will be a major announcement in December from EA. The expectation is we are going to at least see the announcement of the title and possibly some footage of the Jedi Outcast sequel. So they've been kind of working on that real hard. So that's a little earlier than people thought with the announcement. So we're looking forward to that. Tonight, um, they announced another video game thing. Um, there's going to be a new Lego game called Star Wars Castaways. And it is a open world kind of social Lego game. And what's interesting about it is it will only be on Apple Arcade. I don't even know how you get Apple Arcade. I imagine it's one of those services. Apparently it's going to be... Uh, Pretty big, like action adventure game, new planets, all the ships. Um, I really like in some of the pictures they have, you're going to ride around, you can ride around in the mini ships. So they've got a guy like in the little mini X-Wing, so hopefully he can fly around. But even more surprising, that thing's going to launch in less than a month. So it comes out November 19th. So that was kind of out of nowhere. You know, usually they, they don't keep those things very secret. They've got the, what's it called? The... I think they're calling it the Skywalker Saga Lego coming out, which is everything. And so don't do your traditional Lego game that way. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they do a social online version of it. I don't like playing with people either. But over on the comics side, uh, so I think is it, it's Trail of Shadows, right? Is going to be the new High Republic little miniseries that is starting. But what's interesting for this is we get more information about the leveler. So if you remember, that was our monster at the end of um, the last High Republic book that Roe controls now. And so they talked more about what it does and what it looks like. And uh, yeah, that's the old, uh, what's it called? The, I can't remember I said, the Turnatebek from the Old Republic. Like, that's it. The designs are similar. So again, it's more of those like old Republic things kind of seeping in slowly. Other announcements in the world of Disney Synergy. We're getting a how do you say this ship's name? Is it the the Halcyon? Is that what they're calling it? How Halcyon, yeah. So the ship that you stay in 
at Galaxy's Edge. They are going to do a comic about it. And I don't know. What I think is funny is it spans from the old Republic all the way to the sequels. And so you're going to have like some old Burry and Nibs um, with some Nile stuff. And then you're also going to have them going to fight the First Order. So apparently it is a very nice ship that was built to last as opposed to anything else. (laughs) I mean, in the prequels, they're switching ships every five years, but apparently this ship is real nice. (laughs) So it's going to last. Over on the Disney Plus side, they announced that the Boba Fett special is named Under the Helmet, and they released more like information. (laughs) I cannot be less interested in about a Star Wars documentary than this. Like, what are they really going to do in this thing? Like, I guess they could show like a history like, oh, here he is in a Christmas cartoon because God forbid they say the holiday special. (laughs) And then here are the five minutes. Something interesting that we'll probably talk about a little more in a few weeks. Uh, The episode envisions the ninth Jedi, which is one of the better ones. Um the creator has come out and said it is actually supposed to serve as a pilot. Um, And he wants to, he is trying to make a movie out of the whole ninth Jedi thing. And that's cool. I like that episode. You know, we'll talk more, but I definitely want to see more visions. And then of our fake holonet for the Disney plus. So there are rumors going around and people are claiming to have seen early production um, designs for a new show. So if you remember, there are four shows that we don't know what they are. One, everyone assumes, like we said, is Dr. Afra. But another one that people are claiming they have seen is going to be about... So it's going to be about this Force-sensitive bounty hunter that is on the run from Inquisitors. I mean, it could be interesting. You know, I, I people kind of were like, oh, another bounty hunter show, but... Yeah, I will see. Like, it's a good idea, I think, especially like if it's Inquisitors, you know, most likely you're going to find out, oh, surprise, surprise, they used to be a Jedi (laughs) and they've decided to become a bounty hunter. But I mean, really, what are you going to do a show about besides Jedi or bounty hunters? Those are kind of your two big main things. And then some pilots. That's what we got in Star Wars. And then in our books section, lots of book announcements. So outside of the new books they announced, they are going to release box sets of those re-releases of all the books they've been doing. So I'm kind of glad I waited. So they're going to do like a nice box set of the Heir to the Empire trilogy with the um, fancy new covers and a box set of the Bane trilogy and that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to those. I will probably end up buying those because I really like those new covers, even though I own copies of these books already. And then for our new books. So the first announced is Shadows of the Sith, which is going to be by Adam Christopher. It comes out in June. It was written by this. So Adam Christopher is the guy that wrote that Mandalorian book that they shelved that was supposed to be coming out in December. So that one's going to follow Luke and Lando going to find Sith, like a Sith artifact, I guess it looks like. Um, And it talks about Luke kind of looking for Exegol. And then it will also include the Ochi stuff and him hunting down Ray's parents, which is interesting because, you know, like we talked about before, that's kind of what people thought the Lando show might be. Um, 
So now it's going to be the Shadow of the Sith book. The next book will come out in, well, not in order, but the next book they announced will come out in May. It's called uh, Brotherhood by Mike Chen, and it's going to be an Obi and Anakin book. It will kind of show Anakin becoming a knight during the Clone Wars and kind of how Obi-Wan and his relationship adjust to them kind of being peers all of a sudden. But what I'm more excited about is they have confirmed that Asajj Ventress is a big part of the book. So I'm looking forward to that one. The last is Padawan by um, Kirsten White, which is going to be a Qui-Gon Obi-Wan book. Uh, It'll be Obi-Wan when he's a Padawan and we'll deal kind of with Qui-Gon being ditched by Dooku and Obi-Wan runs off on his own. We haven't seen a lot of Obi-Wan that I can think of in that kind of Padawan era. Well, he was a Padawan for a long time. There's a lot of ground to cover. He was. He was. I'm looking forward to that one. And our last book's a middle grade book. It's going to be an anthology book. So it's 10 authors. They'll come out in June and it's called Stories of the Jedi and Sith. And so they'll just go through 10 different stories about 10 different Jedi and Sith. No word if that one is going to be canon or not. But that opens a lot of doors, especially with the Sith of they could bring a lot of people back into canon if they kind of confirm some of the Sith things, I guess. I mean, you could have a Darth Plagueis, you could have a Bane. Any short stories like that would kind of fill in where they are in canon. So that one should be good. So that is all our news from the Net this week. Chad, what's going on in the world of comics? So uh, this week in comics, just a couple titles, but a couple of big ones. Uh, As Ryan mentioned earlier, we have a new series, High Republic Trail of Shadows. Number one came out. It's written by Daniel Jose Older. It's kind of a detective story set on Coruscant with uh, a new kind of Jedi protagonist. I don't want to spoil too much. I do have a trigger warning for Beth. The first image is of a pile of dust that was once Loden Greatstorm. (laughs) Literally a pile of dust in the shape of him. It's like one of those uh, models from Pompeii. It's a good piece of art, too. I've seen it. Oh, y'all, Bell's not going to be okay. It it is a devastating piece of art. (laughs) New series, so that's good. Back in the normal time period, non-High Republic stuff. uh, Dr. Aphra number 15 by Wong and Jung. This finishes off Aphra's involvement with the War of the Bounty Hunters. Aphra takes what seems to me to be a little dalliance with the dark side, actually. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to see what happens next with Chelly and Sana uh, now that we're out of the War of the Bounty Hunters because they've made a they've been a great little team and I hope to keep them together. There's a little bit of a will they won't they a little bit of a love hate, but they 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 make a good duo. And then finally, we have War of the Bounty Hunters number five by Sewell and Ross, the finale of War of the Bounty Hunters. I'm not going to spoil anything except the ending. I know I'm going to be an asshole for this and everyone's going to hate me for spoiling the ending. At the end, Boba Fett wins and Han Solo ends up hanging up in the wall at Jabba's palace. (gasps) I'm sorry. I'm going to stop reading it. You son of a bitch. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wreck it for everybody. At the end of the day, this series had some problems for me and has been a little meh, but it's all been worth it to bring Kira and Crimson Dawn back into the story. There's been a lot of great stuff in the event, and I'm very much looking forward to Crimson Rain and what comes next. So I think it was worth it for all of that. But the actual story itself, 
I feel was highly unnecessary. For me, and you know, obviously I'm behind, but I was thinking about when I was reading the issues that I'm on this week. It's not that the story is bad by any means. It's just too long. And I I mean, I don't know if this continues, but I keep seeing the same scene over and over. And I'm like- You're at the auction, huh? Yes. It's painful. Like- the auction goes on very like, for 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 us for months, literal months. And here's another thing I was thinking about last night when I was reading. I'm not sure I want to read anything anymore set between the movies, and I don't I don't know why. Like I know, and it's probably a much longer conversation. And we kind of talked about a lot of those things when we talked about uh, *Heir to the Jedi*. It just, you know, we've said before, it doesn't, it's not like it has big stakes or anything. And not that it has to. I just don't think I want to read anything in between the trilogy anymore. I'm more comfortable living between A New Hope and Empire than I am between Empire and Jedi. Yeah. Or even yeah. if you show me not things I'm going to see, like show me what Wedge is doing. I'll read about that. Um, like, I don't know when Crimson Rain takes place. But it's not going to involve Luke and, you know, it's going to be about the bad guys and it's stuff that's going to be that makes sense that it's away from camera whenever it takes place. You know, right. Like that I'm okay with because we know from the cover art that Vader's in it. Uh So we know that it has to take place during the original trilogy. I have a feeling it takes place after War of the Bounty Hunters and before Jedi. But that stuff, but that seems to me, at least on the surface of it, seems like, okay, that's in the halls of power type stuff or whatever. You know, my objection to War of the Bounty Hunters was that we were dealing with our main characters. And I'll say for the last time, they didn't live through this. <laughs> the, the characters from Return of the Jedi did not experience this. Yeah. I will. Here's my defense, though. Empire Strikes Back, I think we would all agree, is a pretty perfect Star Wars movie, right? Yeah. There was one, there was one line yeah. that has haunted me and never makes any sense, which is when Lando says to Leia, We're ready for takeoff. Good luck, Lando. When we find Jabba the Hutt and that bounty hunter, we'll contact you. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine. Princess, we'll find mm-hmm. Han. I promise. Chewie, I'll be waiting for your signal. Take care, you two. What do you mean? You know, you're telling me Lando doesn't know where Jabba's palace is? You're telling me Chewbacca doesn't know where Jabba's palace is? What do you mean when we find Han? You know where he is. That line mm-hmm. has never made any sense because it's that's why War of the Bounty Hunters kind of doesn't make any sense. Although I think War of the Bounty Hunters is trying to explain away that, you know, like, why would you say when we find Han? I can tell you where he is. Everybody knows where he is. That one line in Empire, like, doesn't jive with kind of how the whole world and the story has kind of worked out. And so it felt like um, War of the Bounty Hunters was almost like trying to and, and they're not the first ones to do it. It happened in, in Legends as well is tr- is have this kind of drama take place of getting Han to Jabba. And the problem, of course, is that it's always going to end up with Han being at Jabba's. <laughs> yeah, I also something that kind of bugs me about it. And, and this happened in Old Canaan too a lot. But what makes, at least for me, Han kind of Han is he's just this dude, like, you know, he's this guy that kind of got pulled into all this. And War of the Bounty Hunters has made him a galactic celebrity that everyone <laughs> in the has. whole 
Like the whole galaxy knows who Han is and he's a huge deal and all this stuff. And it kind of takes away from Han for me. Only two people should care. Leia and Jabba. Yeah. Those are the two people who should care. I mean, Luke, too, obviously, but like and Chewie, but like the his friends in the Alliance and Jabba are the only people that should care about this. And yet they make it into this intergalactic auction. (laughs) It's just really it's a little it's a little much. Again, it did a lot of great things. I cannot be more thrilled about Kira kind of entering into the greater story. I think what they've done with her, with the, the, the lady Kira and her mysterious background that I think we'll learn about in the comics uh, about what's happened in between. Like, I'm very excited about all of that. To me, that was worth it. Mustafa, from its fiery depths, I rose just as my new castle rises as the ultimate testimony to the awesome power of the dark side. So, what do you think? (laughs) A little on the nose is what I think. I mean, you could say evil fortress on the hill without saying it, you know? <laughs> Look at this place. You could really use something, anything. A chair, perhaps. Yeah. Anywho, no time to sit around. We've got a galaxy to conquer. So before we get into this week's book, we are, um, this episode will go up really close to Halloween. And Disney has given us an early Halloween present in the Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales special. And, you know, maybe it's not the scariest thing any of us have ever seen, but there's it's kind of funny. And there's actually a few kind of interesting parts on here. Somehow it's a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a little sadness to it, too. I was like, oh, Ben. Yeah. Um, I don't know how scary it is. I didn't get a chance. I wanted to show it to my kids before we recorded. I didn't get a chance. So I wanted to see what their reaction was because they're at the right age to maybe be scared by it. I don't know. I thought it was fun. I did. No, I haven't watched the holiday one. To be fair, I have not watched the Christmas one. This is better than the Christmas one. It is. Yeah. And it's not just geared towards kids. If they're making a one of the segments a direct rip off the Lost Boys, they expect some adults to be watching. Yeah, I did think that oh, yeah. during that segment during the Lost Boys cuz and it's not just a like a nod here and there. Like it is serious Lost Boys. It's a satire. Yeah. The, the satire. saxophone the saxophone guy is now a bith. Yeah, like, it, it, what child is getting these references? And it's like, why are they hanging from that? Like, what is happening? If I've learned anything from watching now three and two and a half seasons of The Muppet Show for a podcast, like, you know, aim high and aim low and everybody's happy. So the first thing that I thought about, especially on the second viewing when I was watching it. So, you know, the kind of through line to it is that they're turning the castle on Mustafar into a what a hotel, right? A hotel, yes. a hotel a with, like a, it. with like a Sithy theme to it, you know. What are you building here? Castle Vader, the galaxy's first all-inclusive Sith-inspired luxury theme resort. A place for fun-loving, free-spending families from the cross the galaxy to finally indulge in their inner dark side. What do you think? You're building a hotel in Darth Vader's old castle. Mm-hmm. No offense, but that sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah, that that's pretty crass, right? Like, I was like, at first, yeah. I was like, oh, this is funny. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, wait a second. They're making a, a themed hotel. To he murdered a lot of a people. A genocidal <laughs> maniac. <laughs> like, I mean, can you imagine, like, 
you go take a trip to the Middle East and you're like, here's Osama bin Laden's old house yeah, yeah. and here's some weird robots in it. Like, yee. Where, <laughs> where are you staying on your trip to Germany? Well, yeah. <laughs> found this really we, cool place. We reopened the Eagle's Nest and here's an animatronic Hitler. Like, actually, it wouldn't be an animatronic killer. It would be an actor who is playing him walking around. We should point out this takes place again. I know this isn't canon, but this takes place after Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Poe says right off the beginning, like he's being chased by TIE fighters. And he's like, you know, we just beat you guys. You know, <laughs> like, what do you, why, why are you, haven't you given up yet? So then what is it there? Oh, and one of the uh, the one character I wanted to mention that's a big part of the story is Vinay. Do you know who he is? I did not know who he was. No. The fearless pilot mustn't leave. Vinay, <laughs> what have I told you about sneaking up on people? Sorry. He came with the place. Sort of a creepy caretaker. Emphasis on creepy. Just ignore him. Hmm. <laughs> uh, that's kind of tough. Okay, Vinay. We've talked about sniffing the guests. Boys! But Vinay has something to show the brave pilot. Some other time. We're kind of in a rush. Behold, the helmet of Ren. Did you say Ren? So he's the guy from Rogue One that comes and gets Vader out of his chamber. Like he's supposed to. He's the he's his caretaker at the temple. He was also in all of the tales from Vader's castle. IDW Adventures Comics. Yeah, I didn't even catch that was supposed to be him. Yeah, they do say his name at one point. They do. It's, You're right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the same guy. Yeah, he, it's it's so it's it is all connected. This is very much a Lego adaptation of those tales from Vader's Castle comic books. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they didn't go with that. I mean, I guess they don't want to confuse with the comics, but it very much is a kiddie version of Tales from Vader's Castle. Well, those are already kind of kiddie, right? I mean, they're in the kids' books. Uh, yeah, it, it just it, it was it was interesting to me to see something that is the exact same premise as a comic they make, but they made no connection between the two. Like they could have called it Tales from Vader's Castle. Yeah, they could have used some of the stories from that. They could have brought in who writes all those? Does Sewell write all those? Kevin Scott. He Sewell wrote some of them, I think. It's Scott. We do get to meet Ren, who's played by Christian Slater. That but it's supposed to be Kiefer Sutherland. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I think that's kind of the joke, isn't it? Very confusing. Solo. Solo. You aren't Jedi. Are you Sith? The Knights of Ren live by our own code. Use our power to take what we want. You have skills, yet you follow that fossil Skywalker when you could have so much more. You could be one of us. Or are you afraid? <laughs> it's interesting that like for, I bet the majority of people, this is the first time they've seen Ren. Oh, yeah. Because most people probably haven't read The Rise of Kylo Ren and they probably shouldn't read it. <laughs> um, Charles Sewell was very excited to see Ren in it. He was like, hey, it's cool to see a character you created in a Star Wars cartoon. Yeah, although I guess, you know, from the comic cover, we're going to see more Ren and whatever it's called, Crimson Rising. Crimson Rain. Rain, Rain. yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I like that first story. You know, we kind of talked before, I think, like, I kind of preferred that to what I read in the comic. <laughs> I liked seeing it. It is funny. It takes this for us to actually see, like, Luke's 
Jedi Academy. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> stuff that we've never seen before. And we're seeing it for the first time in Lego. Still no Jason Sindola. Show him to me, you cowards. <laughs> he should be there. And uh, I thought there was two moments that I thought were interesting. Well, one, I didn't think that guy sounded anything like Adam Driver. No. No. There's a moment at the end, or there's a moment where somewhere when um, Ben is trying to decide between going good or bad, and Luke shows up to him, and then Han and Leia and Chewie show up to him, and Han walks up and goes, Oh, we're doing dream sequences now? <laughs> and I thought that was such a dig at the sequels, honestly. Because <laughs> the sequels introduced formalistic things that were never in Star Wars, like flashbacks and dream sequences and stuff, you know? Thought that was a, thought that was a funny little kind of mm-hmm. inside joke. And then the second story, The Dueling Monstrosities, is about Maul and Palpatine and Grievous. Um, this one left less of an impression on me. Yeah. I mean, I was excited to see some Night Sisters. <laughs> I was like, yay. Lego Night Sisters were fun. Darth Maul nonetheless survived and made his way to a clan of witches known as the Night Sisters. You shall rise! Rise! But of course, Mother. And that was Witwer, and it was also the woman who plays Mother Talzin, I believe. Same actress. But um, I, I just don't find Grievous that interesting, even when he's being a jokey Lego character. We need to talk about Grievous one day. There's no good books about him or anything, right? Like, because really. he just there's something that just misses. And I don't know necessarily what it is, but there's something that just misses with him. And I don't think we've gotten to the bottom of why Grievous doesn't 100 percent work, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I will say, like, when Maul kills Grievous by just using the force and cutting him up. I was like, yeah. yep, and that's how you do it. Why was Obi-Wan trying to fight him? Just stand yes, back. Exactly. <laughs> so uncivilized. I also thought the moment where um, Mother Talzin was trying out different legs mm-hmm. for him was pretty funny. I will say it's a much more civil reunion between Palpatine and Maul than we got on uh, Rebels. You know, back in the day, I had Darth Maul. You know, before he came apart. <laughs> I have returned, my master. No! Hey, well, look at you. You're, uh, you're alive. Oh, and look, you've got legs. Oh, yeah, he was making fun of him, but he wasn't uh, trying to kill him. You know what? You can't get Seth MacFarlane. How much yeah. funnier is that if it's Seth MacFarlane? It kind of, but it's kind of felt like he was doing it. Like he was trying for that. Yeah, but he wasn't, though. Like, he wasn't Seth MacFarlane. No, I know. They're never going to top him laughing at Vader for crying. <laughs> that <laughs> is the peak of Star Wars comedy. And, and I, yeah, I did like the moment where Maul got cut in half and, yeah, used his powers, you know, as a little cut in half Lego. Then we get to the final story, one that I thought was the best one and also kind of interesting, called the Wookiee's Paw. Now, obviously, they make a direct Twilight Zone reference. Submitted for your approval... The tale of a boy in search of more, of a better life, much like you. And then they put up a title card. This is the Wookiee's Paw with the like Twilight Zone starry backdrop. So they know exactly what they're going for. It's a monkey paw story, uh, taking the classic story of the monkey's paw and making it a Wookiee's Paw. Ryan, you were saying earlier that you had a big problem with this. It's not that I have a problem with it. But no one addresses that they have a Wookiee's paw. Like, <laughs> okay, a, mon- a monkey's paw is one thing. 
Is it kind of gross? Yes. But we are accustomed to animal heads and taxidermy and all that stuff. But a Wookiee is a sentient being who, like, our characters interact with on a pretty normal basis. Like, they're really good friends with one. Yeah. They hang out on their planet. (laughs) Yeah. And and they just have a hand. (laughs) Like, here's what I liked about this story. When we meet Luke in A New Hope, what does he want to do? Join the Academy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that they took this idea of the monkey paw granting your wishes, and they gave Luke the life that he actually wanted when we met him in Star Wars. I wish I was off this rock. Hey, you look like you want to get off this rock. You should join the Imperial Academy. Really? And as he wished, the Wookiee's paw took Skywalker off of Tatooine. Yet he still wasn't satisfied. I can't see a thing in this helmet. So I actually thought that was kind of a cool way to do that, right? What happens to him? He goes, he joins the academy. He's in the academy. They find out he's, they found, they find out he's a hell of a pilot and make him a pilot. And that was, that's what would have happened. And then eventually he runs into Vader and Vader recognizes that he's strong with the force and brings him in as his apprentice. That would have happened, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's actually really interesting to me that they, that they give you this little what if, mm-hmm. this little alternate timeline using the monkey's paw as the device. But actually, it made me think about some stuff. I thought it was actually kind of neat. And it does follow that kind of through line that you see in the original trilogy of Luke jumping ahead and just wanting to be more powerful and wanting to be famous or whatever. Like, right. so, you know, and he does it. He when he's in the trench, he, or I guess before the trench, he wishes to be known throughout the galaxy and fight the rebels. And I want more. I wish I could fight the rebellion and become the most famous pilot in the galaxy. The Death Star is under attack. Vader, scramble your men. Well, I like they went full on with it, right? Like then when they get to the, the Battle of Yavin, Obi-Wan's in a ship and Leia's on a ship because Leia got to Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Right, because Vader was spending his time with Luke. All wings reporting. Red 10, standing by. Red 10, standing by, Princess Leia. Red 5, standing by. Good to have you, General Kenobi. And so Obi-Wan and Leia are in the X-Wings leading the assault on the Death Star. I thought that was all. Like, like you say, it, you know, there was that old Star Wars Infinities comic, right, mm-hmm. that would change one thing and then tell a whole storyline, you know, based on that one thing changing. This was kind of like that for me, and I actually thought it was kind of interesting because of that. Yeah, it made me think, like... With that one, too, you know, say what you will about Marvel and what they've done with this what if cartoon. But I would like to see a Star Wars version. Yeah, that's what this felt like. Yeah. But I'd like to see a what if Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, this was basically a what if Luke joined the Academy, right? Just sped up. His his ascendancy is just sped up because of the monkey's paw. But I thought this was the most clever one. In true monkey's paw fashion he gets exactly what he wanted but then he gets it for the wrong reason and he ends up blowing up the death star (laughs) (laughs) and he ends up accidentally blowing up the death star which i thought which was which i guess means that his fate was always to do that no matter what no matter what happened in between but uh i don't know i i all in all i really liked it there's a there's a shining reference in it again probably not for the kids there's a very dramatic hut Oh, the hut is actually, uh, I looked it up because the voice was so familiar. The hut is the guy who did the voice for Master Shake on Aqua Teen. Ah, okay. That makes a lot of sense now. 
Beth, compared to zero, where were you on this hut? Oh, anything's better than zero. Because okay. <laughs> he was a little much. He was a lot, but he wasn't zero. He's yeah. not pretending to be Truman Capote. A treaty? A treaty? A treaty is impossible. My nephew Jabba's son has been kidnapped by your Republic Jedi scum. But sir, mm. there's been a misunderstanding. There is no misunderstanding. It is the Jedi who have rescued his son. If you can put me in touch with Jabba, I am confident I can convince him of the truth. No. No more discussions. Escort her out. <laughs> I did enjoy, in true Star Wars fashion, at the end, we had to get some sort of bionicle mech something. Because, <laughs> God forbid, Lego doesn't include that in something somehow. That was a Sith one, but... Yeah, where Vinay ends up making himself into a mech suit, basically, with like a with like Ren's mask or something. Yeah, it was was Ren's mask, the lightsaber and the holocron. And the holocron from the three different stories. Right. And then there's also a battle between an ATST and an AT-AT. I don't that part. The the thing is, they tell these three stories I thought were fun. And the last act was just like resolving all all the Poe Dameron storyline, which was probably the least less interesting (laughs) storyline. But a couple of the original voices, but not none of the big names, I would say. Right. Like no, Hamill and Oscar Isaac, none of them were particip- no. participated. No, it was more the voice actors. Yeah. Yeah. We were in, in the company. Yep. I'm kind of surprised they didn't get um, Mark Hamill because voice acting is his thing. And he seems to jump at any chance to do it. He I had forgotten this. Um, you know, we'll get to the book. You know, pretty much now when we were editing, when I was editing our discussion about the first Darth Bane book, I cut in his scene from uh, Clone Wars. He was on Darth Bane was on. Guess who played him? Do you know? Yes, Darth Bane, the ancient Sith Lord. You are. I know why I am not forgotten. Created the rule of two. You did. Yeah, Hamill, Hamill is the voice of Darth Bane. These cuts sound very interesting. I should give it a listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should probably give it a try. But yeah, no, Mark Hamill plays Darth Bane. There's no doubt the mysterious warrior was a Sith. Mm. Always two there are. No more, no less. A master and an apprentice. But which was destroyed? The master or the apprentice? So now into our book. We begin with Darovit, or Tomcat, Xana's cousin, from the very end of the last book, who doesn't understand what happened with the thought bomb that had been detonated. 
He enters the cabin where it was activated and finds a strange orb floating in midair. When he touches it, he feels the spirits or something of everyone who was killed by it and is knocked flat out on his butt. Darth Bane and his new apprentice Xana are still running around on Rusan. They head to the former Sith camp where Bane kills a bunch of mercenaries who were just looting but for some reason allows two to escape to spread rumors of the Sith's continued existence, which is a great idea when you're trying to keep it completely secret. Regardless, they find a manuscript revealing the location of the Tomb of Freedon Nad, a legendary Sith Lord from some 3,000 years earlier. Bane then leads Xana into the cave where the Thought Bomb was detonated to show a little girl some really horrible things. Xana is almost overwhelmed by the feelings emanating from the orb, while Bane teaches her his first rule, his rule of two. They bounce into Derivit, who has been wandering around in circles in the caves this whole time. He attacks Bane, thinking that Xana is his captive, but Xana keeps Bane from killing Derivit by using the force to just completely obliterate his hand, and then tells Bane that nothing would be gained by killing her cousin. Super merciful. She's off to a great start. Bane then tells Xana that he's got some errands to run and he'll meet her on Onderon in 10 days. Although since he's taking the only ship, Xana has to find her own ride. Hoth's former apprentice, Johan, sneaks back to Rusan on a ship with some refugees who are heading home and finds the two mercenaries Bane left alive. Master Farfalla does not believe them though and tells Johan to move on. He's Farfalla's Padawan now and they've got to meet the Chancellor on Coruscant. Back on Rasan, Xana finds the shuttle Johan had just been on. She accepts a meal and tells them she's going to Onderon. When they're nice enough to help her, she brutally murders all of them, but it's okay, she feels a little bad about it. While Xana is learning how to become a serial killer, Bane is entering the tomb of Freedon Nad. As he attempts to retrieve a holocron from the burial chamber, he is attacked by Orbalisks, parasitic creatures native to Daxon. Two of the creatures attach themselves to his body before he can escape, and Bane quickly realizes that he can't take them off. Nad's holocron described his own experiences with the Orbalisks. They feed on the dark side, release enzymes that increase physical strength and the power to draw on the dark side, grant incredible regenerative powers, and their shells offer protection against any weapon, including lightsabers. The holocron also says they cause constant pain, multiply, and spread over the entire body, and if one of them died, it would release a lethal poison that would kill him within days, so not all good news. Using his increased power, Bane mentally dominates a flying reptile and uses the force to encase them both in a cocoon of dark side energy and fly over to Onderon. And he's just in time to save Xana, who has also made it to Onderon, only to be confronted by a group of beast riders. Bane kills everybody and takes Xana off to her training. On Coruscant, the Galactic Senate passes a re resolution disbanding the Jedi's military forces. Farfalla is not happy about this, but the Senate seems to think that the Jedi being military leaders forever isn't a super idea. No, Chancellor, it really isn't. Master Farfalla assigns Johan to the Chancellor's personal guard and promotes him to a full Jedi Knight. Just like that. No trials or ceremony. Just a random promotion. We jump forward 10 years and Xana is becoming more powerful while training in Sith sorcery whatever that is here. Bane sends her on a mission to go 
a separatist movement on the world of Sereno into acting against their government. Xana seduces the separatist's second-in-command and feeds them information about the former Chancellor Valorum's upcoming visit to Sereno. The group decides to kidnap him, while Xana returns to her and Bane's home on Ambria. In her absence, Bane has been attempting to create his own holocron and failed, and just starts tearing his shit up in anger. Concerned for her master's future, Xana questions whether the Orbalisks are helping Bane or harming him. Back on Sereno, the Separatists stage their kidnapping. Johan, still acting as Valorum's guard, manages to foil them and kills most of the Separatists. Xana is accosted by the two surviving members when she returns and is taken to the Separatist financial backer, a man named Hetan, who is not Count Dooku. Even though he... Very, very similar to Count Dooku. He is not Count Dooku. I had to remind myself of this a few times. He has trained himself in the dark side and asks to become Xana's apprentice. Hetan shows her his library of rare Sith artifacts and tells her of his first master stronghold on the planet Tython, where the Jedi and the Sith first came to power. Xana takes Hetan and his assassins back with her to Ambria, the assassins attack Bane, who kills them and Hetan before turning on Xana. She manages to hold his attacks off long enough to tell him that Hetan knew where to find information about how to make a working holocron. He heads to Tython to find Hetan's master's base. Since trips to find holocrons are Bane's me-time, he sends Xana to infiltrate the Jedi Archives to get information on how to remove the Orbalisks from his body without killing him, because those things that will probably kill him might be bad. Xana can use her sorcery to mask the dark side within herself, just not indefinitely. She disguises herself as the Padawan of a notoriously reclusive Jedi and begins her search. When the Senate commissions a memorial to everyone who died on Rusan, Johan goes along to oversee the building. Derivit is now a reclusive healer, and he sabotages the construction efforts until Johan tracks him down. Upon questioning Derivit, Johan learns that his hand was destroyed by his cousin Xana and that she had been accompanied by Bane. Taking Derivit with him back to Coruscant, Johan leaves him in the library at the exact same time Xana has found what she's looking for, and a momentary lapse of concentration allows Derivit to sense her true identity. When she finds out that he's told the Jedi about her and Bane, Xana takes him with her to Tython to warn Bane and then escape. Because it's real easy for all these people to get to Tython. When Johad and Farfalla discover that Derivit is missing from the library, they trace the records on the terminal Xana had been using to reveal a hyperspace route to Tython. Because it's just that easy. Farfalla finally believes that the Sith survived and plans to put together a team to follow them to destroy the Sith once and for all. Again. On Tython, Bane fights a ton of... I don't know, Beast Wars Transformers or zombie animals or something to reach (laughs) Belia Darzu's holocron and learns how to successfully create his own. But he's interrupted when Xana and Derivit arrive. She warns Bane that the Jedi are on their way, but before they can leave, the Jedi ship enters the atmosphere. Farfalla has chased Bane and Xana down with what can best be described as a full RPG party. They've got a dual-wielding knight, a tanky warrior, and a cleric who has some pretty good party buffs, which leaves Johan as the thief and I guess follows the bard. During the ensuing lightsaber battle, the Jedi are all very unceremoniously killed. But Bane is severe... (laughs) 
I want to talk about that later. I do too. It's my first note. <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> first note. Um, Bane is severely injured when his own force lightning is turned against him. Several of the Orbalisks were killed during the lightning attack, and realizing she still needs Bane, Xana takes him and Erevit to Ambria in search of the healer Caleb, who saved his life in the first book. Caleb doesn't want to help, and Xana threatens him with physical pain, her sorcery, and his death, but to no avail. Derevit tries to dissuade Xana from the path of the Sith, telling her that Caleb will help Bane on the condition that Xana sabotages the ship and sends a message to the Jedi Council telling them where Bane is. Xana agrees, and Caleb removes the Orbalisks to heal Bane's injuries. When Bane was strong enough to understand, Xana tells him of the bargain she made to save his life. Bane would rather die than become a prisoner of the Jedi, but Xana will not kill him. She's got a plan, and we've got a third book to do. A Jedi strike team lands on Ambria and discovers a dismembered body, horrifically dismembered body, at Caleb's <laughs> camp. It's super graphic. Mm-hmm. And as they approach Caleb's shack, a raving one-handed man swinging Farfalla's lightsaber emerges and attacks them. The Jedi quickly overpower and kill him, and find all of the lightsabers of the Jedi in the shelter. They conclude that the last Sith had been wounded in the battle on Tython and then driven himself insane by attempting to use the dark side to heal his injuries because the Jedi don't seem to know how the dark side works. They just so happen to overlook the pit under the shelter where Xana is hiding herself and Bane with her sorcery. Several days later, Bane finally awakens Xana informs him that she killed Caleb and broke Derevit's mind with her powers to trick the Jedi. Bane admits that he underestimated her and that he was proud of her. Xana ominously warns Bane that she will surpass him one day, and on that day, she will kill him. Darth Bane, the only Sith Lord to escape the devastation of Khan's thought bomb, marched quickly under a pale yellow Rusan sun moving steadily across the bleak, war-torn landscape. He was two meters tall, and his black boots covered the ground in long, sweeping strides, propelling his large, powerfully muscled frame with a sense of urgent purpose. There was an air of menace about him, accentuated by his shaved head, his heavy brow, and the dark intensity of his eyes. This, even more than his forbidding black armor or the sinister hook-handled lightsaber dangling from his belt, marked him as a man of fearsome power, a true champion of the dark side of the Force. Okay, so Johan and Farfalla just die. Oh, I loved it so much. They just die. And it's not even from their point of view. It's not from Johan's point of view, who we'd been behind, you know, we've been in Johan's head in this book. He dies from Xana's point of view. We never go back to their point of view when the fight starts and they get massacred. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so they die nameless. Young Jedi with the green lightsaber. Oh, yeah, I killed him. Yeah, exactly. They just they die as these nameless antagonists. <laughs> and it's real bleak. Uh-huh. Especially Farfalla. I really was not expecting Farfalla to die. We've been with him for two books now. Still no mention of his horse legs. No, no. mention at all. <laughs> So I did, this does follow an important lesson I've learned in all these books. If you actually have to take the Jedi trials, you are not going to be an important Jedi. That's how you know. Like, yes, yes. If some circumstance happens and they just make you a Jedi, you have become an important member of the galaxy. I loved hearing the name Freedon Nad, though. 
That made me yeah, excited. I love they put him in here. That made me excited. Yeah. I, I did enjoy kind of getting into more about how they make holocrons and exactly how. Well, that's that good because there's a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. And I like he continues the Sith tradition of when you're frustrated, just break it. Just tear stuff up. Just have a hissy fit. No. And smash things. Um, yeah, he definitely does that. Um, <laughs> so is uh, is Belia Darzu somebody that you guys have heard of before in comic books? I did not know the name, so I didn't know if it was from something else that I hadn't read. I don't know. Freed Nad is from the comics. Yeah. I don't remember um, about the other one. Freed Nad was in a, a Tales of the Jedi two-part comic called Shockingly, the Freedonad Uprising. And he's kind of one of the progenitor of the Sith. I knew the name. I just hadn't read the comic. Darzu is only in... Well, they mentioned Darzia, Darzu in uh, Plagueis. But other than that, it's just Darth Bane. Okay, yeah. So he's just part of the... Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know. So speaking of Darzu, uh, what the hell was up with those weird creatures that she had? She had like a robot rancor, nano... Some things that I, I didn't understand that part at all, but they're they're hundreds of years old and they don't have any living tissue left attached to them, so they're just robots, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we call them droids. I'm sorry. So the orbalisks. Yes. Yeah. For me, this book's all about the orbalisks. <laughs> yeah. So you have to make a special helmet to keep the orbalisks from growing over your face and killing you. I guess they would suffocate you eventually. They're pretty intense. And they cause constant, constant pain. Yeah, but, you know, Sith live on pain, apparently. Well, Bane seems to. Yeah, you get a nice shield from any lightsabers or anything like that. It is handy. Yeah, and I did like the struggle with, like, Bane trying to figure out, like, yeah, this is helping a lot, but... This also sucks. Am I cutting <laughs> off my powers? Oh, by the way, Ryan, I did find out the origin of that dark side lake. Oh, okay. What is it? I'll tell you in two weeks. Oh, okay. We will get back to the lake in two weeks. So Xana at first kind of goes back and forth. She, one minute she's innocent and feeling bad about stuff that she's doing. And, and the next minute she's cutting people apart. And then she has to be rescued from bandits. And like she, she, fluctuates wildly between between being helpless and a monster or having feelings about something and being a monster. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, how, how far is this, is this into her training? 10 years, right? Yeah. There's a 10 year yeah. skip between each book. Yeah, when he, they go live on, was it Arbia? I, I guess I didn't find her as inconsistent. I'm trying to remember what points and where she, what do you mean as far as her being rescued? When she has to get rescued from the uh, from on Onderon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She's still a little kid at that point, but she just slaughtered a bunch of human beings on a shuttle. I mean, she is a psychopath. Yeah. They they make it very clear <laughs> that her force her force powers didn't manifest necessarily in her moving some rocks. They manifested in her ripping people apart. Mm. <laughs> like she is pure evil. And you know, when she's a kid, you know, Big Daddy Bane showed up, and she was like, yeah. I want to hang out with you. You can be Yeah, my but she did that you. before she met Big Daddy Bane. <laughs> that is true. That's why he, that's why you met her. Big Daddy Bane says, "Yeah, I'm leaving. Go ahead and figure your own what right out of here." You can call an Uber, right? <laughs> that, that felt right. To, that felt like, you know. It's that, very that felt- Sith-esque training. Oh yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's not that far from the Jedi. Is, was it Loden Greatstorm that it would throw? <laughs> oh, yeah. Fell off a cliff. And Bell is not okay. <laughs> no, he's not. No, Bell's never going to be okay again. Stop rubbing it in. It's never going to uh, be okay ever, ever again. You said he was going to be okay. I lied. I know. I don't I don't think he's going to be okay. But uh, yeah, I, I liked that. <laughs> but she she had murdered those Jedi. She had murdered Jedi Knights. Yeah. With her power. She's that powerful, like without knowing it. Like her, her for, because in the comics, it talks about how she's the one with the least connection to the force. She hasn't really grown into it. She's not as strong as some of the others. Well, but God, I can't. I guess it's the next book where we find out, right? Or was it in the comic? That what? It's the kind that her cousin didn't actually have force that she was feeding it to him the whole time. Oh, no. That was at the end of this book. That was the end of this one. Okay. That was when he was trying to convince her to turn back. Right. Yeah. Before she decided to drive him insane by making <laughs> him see horrible things. And make him a meat shield. <laughs> He's not the only one that she drives crazy with with visions. The the separatists on Sereno, she, isn't it the Chiss lady? That she drives crazy? Yeah, it is a chiss lady. All I know is she makes her cousin commit suicide by Jedi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's insane. Whenever I picture her doing that stuff, too, I always picture like what Scarlet Witch looked like in Age yes. of Ultron when she was still like did that creepy, weird thing with her hands and kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, she is. They are kind of, you know, they're not from Dathomir. They're not nice sisters, but they are. They, they, they do depict her as a witch. Almost more than a more than a dark Jedi. That's one thing we don't get uh, very much of. I don't think in new canon yet is the idea of Sith sorcery. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say there's there's an awful lot of sorcery for there being no no night sisters anywhere. I I guess. Yeah. But I guess the night sisters would be Sith sorcery, though. Right. Would be dark side sorcery. You know, it's it's just the idea of it. The force is such an easy catch all that anything you can kind of do anything and just kind of attribute it to. Oh, well, it's just they use the force differently <laughs> or the force manifests manifests itself in different ways. You know, it's 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 such a broad catch all that, you know, can cover anything. So when she if she turns into, you know, messing with people's minds and she start, you know, you can just blame that on the force. Well, and she uses her sorcery to uh, mind screw her cousin into <laughs> killing himself. And yet. Clearly uses her hands and teeth to tear a man limb from limb. That was yeah. a very graphically described crime scene. Oh, when she, yeah, what she does to Caleb. Yeah, when the Jedi come across Caleb's body parts. <laughs> Not his body, parts of his body. They're just scattered all over the place. What age do you think they're shooting for when they write these books? They are shooting for your 30s to 40s basement dweller. Yeah. Is that what they're doing? Okay. I mean, at this point, yeah. Yeah, but this was like, this was 15 years ago. Yeah, I I just wonder because it it does get so brutal. Like, at the end of the day, Star Wars is supposed to be family fair and these books get so brutal. (laughs) Well, and and I looked through some of the video games that Carpishan has worked on, and he's worked on stuff like Mass Effect. Now, they're not for kids, but they're not this adult. There's more romance in Mass Effect. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she bangs one guy. She does. She does. <laughs> one through line I liked that was kind of, I guess, kind of subtle is Bane giving her the double-bladed lightsaber that's shorter after in the first book. You know, they made it a point to be like, yeah, that double bladed looks good, but here's how you beat through it. It's not great. I thought that was a nice little subtle bane kind of setting her up. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's nice. Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't that the double bladed lightsaber wasn't great. It was that the edge was people don't know how to fight against it. Right, and once you take that away, single blade is it's better. you know it, it better or at least the same. Yeah, it, it, it takes away the it takes away the edge that the double bladed lightsaber gives you, and by having her make one and having her train with a double bladed he's again he's pulling princess bride shit right like he's got you know he 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 knows how to beat her if, when it comes down to it mm-hmm. he's teaching her with a weapon that he knows how to beat right but the jedi don't right but but few others do you know but yeah. he's already done this he's already been told the secret of of why um double bladed lightsabers i'm sure he doesn't tell her that <laughs> oh, yeah. what the weakness is and she's just like these are badass <laughs> She's like, it looks so cool. He's like, you're very powerful in sorcery. Yeah, I don't really know a lot about that. So uh, you're going to have to go read some books, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't teach you everything. What have you teach you there, buddy? <laughs> this ain't Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of reading books, I know that Sith can mask their presence in the force, but I did not know that she could just tamp down like just the dark side. Oh, when she's in the library? Yes. When she bluffs her way past a Jedi master and then a, uh, whoever it is who's running the, the Jedi archives, who's not Jocasta new. I'm going to steal a phrase from another group of people that are an, another franchise aimed at 30 and 40 year old basement dwellers. Um, it's all timey wimey stuff. It does what you want it to do. You know, I mean, I was kind of thinking you just kind of pull a Tinkerbell and you just think happy thoughts <laughs> and yeah, no yeah, dark yeah. side energy comes out. That'd be tough. <laughs> <laughs> she, I don't know what ha- she doesn't seem to have happy thoughts. No, she seems pretty psycho. Although maybe yeah. maybe thinking about ripping people apart makes her happy. It's true. Yeah, that was a nice little coincidence in the library. But I mean, it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's the force. <laughs> The force takes care of that. If, if they're oh. not in the library at the same time, then nothing happens. <laughs> right, exactly. Then the story doesn't move forward. So therefore. So I didn't expect Xana and Bane to have a master apprentice, you know, like a Jedi type bond where they care about each other in the way that a Jedi apprentice and master would. But they threaten to kill each other a lot. And Bane is alternately mad about being betrayed and proud of her for betraying him. <laughs> And they all kind of do that, though. That's like Sheev and Vader's whole, like, relationship. <laughs> May I remind you? One to embody the power and one to crave it. That's the craven part. We get into a lot of that in the next book. Yeah, that's all about the that's all about the craven. I mean, it is. It, and, and you are right. Like, even in the comics, they've had this. They had a big storyline where Sheev basically tries to kill Vader. Basically, like, just messes them up real bad. And it's like, well, if he can survive that, maybe he can come back and be my lapdog again. Well, and Xana keeps straight up asking him, even when she's a little kid, what if I don't do? What if I don't do it? Are you going to kill me? He's like, yeah, probably. And she goes, all right, fair enough. As long, long as I know the deal. You know, Des is not a real friendly guy. <laughs> she does seem to be almost not convinced in any real way, but, you know, curious or at least playing with the idea when Derivate's trying to get her to change her mind or turn around, she she hesitates for a minute and wonders what her life could have been like. I mean, even Vader does that, right? And then she's like, oh, yeah, I've murdered a lot of people already. That's probably not going to go great. Sith are supposed to be all about basically the seven deadly sins. And we don't see the sexual part as much. There was a little bit with Githany. Mm-hmm. But if the Sith are st- stand in opposition, opposition to the Jedi and the Jedi are chaste, the Jedi are celibate, um, or at the very least, they can't have pa- 
passionate relationships. To me, the Sith should be, it's going to sound kind of, gro- kind of gross, but the Sith should be more sexual almost, you know, that should be a bigger concern to them because again, they're standing in opposite of what the Jedi teach. Yeah. If they're all about, you know, passion and your base instincts, right? that should be a, a big part of it. I mean, we don't want to think about Sheev having sex. You know. And he didn't. He was, those were clones. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised. It would have been interesting if they had like given him a wife. It was like a, like a, you know, they, they never, she, you know, she was basically a prisoner. You know, we could call her um, Queen Melania, uh, but no, the Sheev, no. But I don't know. I liked that she was like, picked up this dude and was like, yeah, sure. And then didn't feel bad when he got murdered. She's like, yeah, no. whatever. <laughs> She got hers. She got hers. Exactly. That's that's the Sith way, you know? Would Sith be good lovers or bad lovers then? Are they too like selfish they be to selfish, be good? Yeah. Oh, no. I bet they're the best. But the problem is you're going to get your head chopped off after her. It's like banging a praying mantis. <laughs> Look, everybody knows crazy chicks. <laughs> <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) You're not wrong. Um, I I think I read too much into it sometimes because sexuality has become more common in Star Wars books, but it used to be completely absent, Mm -hmm. like completely and utterly absent. Yeah, the twins just show up. There's no implication that they've had sex. They have because they're, you know, playing married or whatever, but they, they never get into that stuff. I mean, we know what happens if you after you roll in the grass with the weird space bisons. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't show that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. No, and that's and that's fine. But I guess to me, because it's a rare occasion, or at least it used to be a rare occasion, those moments stand out to me. Um, you know, but that's why in books like Dark Disciple. And I think that's why those books blew our mind a little bit. We were like, holy crap, there's sex in here. When the most passion you see is awkward CGI pear feeding, <laughs> sex scene sticks out a little bit. There's like nothing, right? I mean, uh, there's like Han and Leia's kiss is, you know, like, I mean, listen, in, in something in a, in a PG world, a kiss is the same as sex. That's how it works on like, you know, it's how it used to work in like uh, old timey movies. You know, once they kissed, it was like, oh, everything was consummated. The implication is that it, it led somewhere else and you didn't get to see it. Yeah. Or just in this world, that's enough. You know, <laughs> in this world, that is the pinnacle as a kiss. You know? God, imagine if you grew up thinking that's where babies came from. <laughs> Be very confusing world. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen more or really any of the Sith assassins. Yes. Like they're, they're there. And we heard about them in the first book that there's a whole school of them somewhere. And then they kind of show up and eh. They're not that great. And then they get um, killed immediately. Yeah. I did think like Hatton, and, and this carries over a couple of these books and other books too. There's always like this random dude who has like a Sith secret collection. And it reminds me of like that weird kid in high school that had like <laughs> Nazi memorabilia. And you were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like <laughs> shows it to you and it's real awkward. And you're like, that, that's not cool. <laughs> like, Obviously, she's pumped about it, but how many people have like Hetton been like, "Hey, I want to show you my room." People are like, "It is, dude." <laughs> like, so the kid is like, "This is an SS dagger." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, "All right, man." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Is that more prevalent in the South, or I don't <laughs> it know? Probably sure. is. It probably is. Probably, probably seen that a little more than some people, but. Uh, <laughs> 
Everybody knows that guy. I know that guy. Luckily, I've never had that experience. Uh, oh, it's a dude. It's totally a dude thing. It it's seems totally like a dude, a dude thing. thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you know what? They always justify it to you. I'm sure first head was like, I mean, I, I don't follow the ethos of the Sith, but I mean, the uniforms were pretty cool, right? And you're like, but no. Like, I'm just into history, man. I'm just into history. The Siths had some good ideas. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> so to carry that comparison on, do you think the hollow net in Star Wars is just like tons of documentaries about the Sith? And like, <laughs> <laughs> just like the History Channel has become almost nothing. Vader's castle. Tonight yeah. we look inside. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets of Mustafar. <laughs> like, <laughs> Space Ken Burns makes like a five-hour documentary about the Sith. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, I bet there is a Ken Burns, like the war on Rusan. And it's just like <laughs> slow-moving pictures of bouncers. And <laughs> See, you would, but then like nobody remembers anything in Star Wars. Nobody, I mean, hell, when we get to Force Awakens, all the greatest heroes in the galaxy have been, for, have been turned into legends already after 30 years. Okay, speaking of history, too, the whole little subplot about the Jedi statue and all that mess. Why is that there? Like, I mean, it gets yeah. the two together. I mean, it gets it's you know, a plot device to get to get Johan to Rusan again. Yeah. That's it. It just it's 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 long. Like there is a lot in that little section. I mean, I guess it gives you it gives you some of like the disconnect i guess the jedi hat of of showing back up on the planet they jacked up we're like and we're gonna build a statue this book is kind of a troll right it spends a lot of the time with these characters and then we and then unceremoniously kills them like just dead brutally murdered in this cave like we talked about at the beginning, like it's almost a troll to like care about these characters, you know, learn about their aspirations, learn who they want to become, you know, all this stuff and then dead. Yeah. And I think that's Drew very purposely messing with people's expectations because you're so used to the Jedi being your heroes and characters. And this reminds you, nope. Total party kill. Just all of them just gone. <laughs> When Bane swatted the Jedi's golden lightsaber aside with his orbalisk-encrusted left forearm, then removed his foe's head from his body with his lightsaber. In the corner, the Ithorian broke his meditative trance, sensing that his companions had fallen. But before he could act, Bane leapt through the air and landed in front of him, slashing all four of his throats simultaneously. The Ithorian crumpled to the ground, and Bane turned to finish off the one-handed Jedi. She started to run to him, then saw that the sole surviving Jedi was crawling toward where his lightsaber had fallen on the ground, determined to fight on despite the loss of his hand. Her face frozen in a mask of rage and hatred. She stepped forward and spun her lightsaber above her head. He looked at her with pleading eyes, but her only response was to bring her blade crashing down, ending his life. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I said, I know we talked about it before, but yeah, it, uh, coming back around to that, I think, you know, it does feel like a, it feels like a, a, a book long setup. Every, all the time you're with, especially Johan, like for fall, at least we knew him for the other book. He's dealing with bigger matters, but with Johan in, uh, in particular, like, Man, this is like our new, this is our young Jedi that we're following, you know? Yeah. And it's well, real clever to do it in the second book. Like, 
are you setting this guy up to be, you know, the hero of the third book that's going to stop all this? And then just, right. nope. Nope. <laughs> These books don't have heroes. I I expected the rest of the RPG party to get killed because they were fodder. I mean, we didn't know them. We didn't care about them. That's fine. I was ready for them to die. But for Farfalla just dies. And I can't even remember who killed him, which one of them it was, how it did, how it happened. Xana kills all of them, I think. I know. She she does. Oh, no, no. Bane no, fights Bane, two. Bane kills two, but I don't even remember which ones were killed by which because we're not supposed to really be able to keep them straight because we're not seeing anything from their point of view. No. Nope. It's all from Xana's point of view. So we're not even supposed to, to know like, and care. That he cut off his damn horse legs and there was nothing <laughs> about this. There was nothing about it. Um, no, you're right. I mean, I don't remember how each one of them died either. You, you notice when... Johan goes down because I think they, there's a very particular description of a young man with a blue lightsaber or whatever. Yes. But but besides that, yeah, no, you're not meant to know who's fallen, just that they're fallen, you know, because like you said at the beginning, we're in her point of view. Everything. So they're just meat. <laughs> they're just Jedi, faceless, nameless Jedi that she's cutting down. She doesn't, you know, there's there's no she's not going to sit there and ex- describe their their wardrobe to you or, or tell you about them. No, they're just enemies to cut down their fodder it's an interesting move to have the fodder at the end of this massacre be the characters we've been following the whole time who are the good guys you know i mean these are the good guys yeah the good guys come out with no wins no like i said there are no heroes in this trilogy caleb is probably the closest you get and he gets the worst death and he has a good storyline that carries through. But Caleb, like, how dumb are you that, you know, old Sith Witch tells you, oh, yeah, if you heal him, we'll, we'll turn him in. It'll be fine. And he's like, okay. And he's sensitive in the force. He can't sense she's lying. Does seem a little naive. Yeah. Although Bane comes across as a little naive. Is Bane naive or is he just, he, or would he have totally sold her out? So he just assumes she is too. At the end, when she when he thinks she's calling the Republic on him, can't tell if he's like naive for believing that or if it's like, you know, when when you hear someone like I'll cut this out. But like when you hear Trump supporters, like, never mind, never mind, never mind. mind. But um, no, it's just when I I just remember when Trump was like, he was like, oh, uh, during the first big spike in COVID, he was like, well, I've heard stories of uh, nurses like stealing medical equipment and stuff. And you're like. You know why you think that? It's because you would do that. Because <laughs> you would do it. Most, most people wouldn't, but you, you thought of it because you would do that. Um, and so I wonder if, if Bane was like, you know, well, that's what I would do. I would totally screw me over right now. You know? Does she make the right choice? I mean, barring the third book, is she right? Does she still need him? Uh, well, she says that he's got a web of contacts lined up. She has no idea how to get a hold of anybody. She has no idea how to do... In, I mean, all his holocron stuff, that was his me time. He went off and did that by himself. She doesn't know the first thing about holocrons. Right. He is holding back mm-hmm. knowledge, and, and, and rightly so, because she will not need him and decide to try and kill him a lot sooner. And she admits she can't carry out the big plan yet. Like, there's a point where she basically kind of questions, I don't know if I can weave all this together yet. Does she care about the big plan? Yeah, that's the weird thing about it. Like, that's one thing I don't understand about Xana and a lot of it is 
what her end goal is. Like Baines is really clear. He's got the big plan that eventually the Sith are going to take over. Zayna doesn't seem to really care much about that, but I don't know what, what is she after? Cause she doesn't seem to like crave power. She doesn't seem to, I mean, she likes it on an individual basis, but she doesn't seem to want to rule the galaxy. Yeah. And she has no history with the Jedi as far as hating them or anything. But is, yeah. is crave power like that's not a, an end goal? That's not a motivation. You know, what are you going to do with the power? And right. I don't have any idea coming out of this book what she intends to do with all this power. I don't think she does either at this point. I think, I mean, she got swept up in something. Remember, she got swept up in this when she was a kid, you know? So it's been 10 years and she's been living with, listen, yes, there's all this talk about them stabbing each other. It's still as close to a father as she's had. Mm-hmm. For the past decade. It's almost like Lorna D in the last episode. Like, where else is she gonna go? Like yeah. she can't go back at this point. She's done too much. Yeah, I mean we asked we've asked that about Vader. Like, what is Vader's motivation? And a big part of it is because he's trapped. Because there's no go there's nowhere else for him to go. And what Xana and, and you're right, maybe Xana keeps him alive. Yeah, part, you know, maybe I mean, cause he he even admits, I think, at times that she may even be stronger in the force than he is. Mm-hmm. You know, she may have a higher M count, you know, <laughs> but that, uh, uh, but that, but that, so he, he withholds all that knowledge from her or she doesn't interested in the knowledge. I don't I think it's a little bit of both, you know, but I don't know if she ever a hundred percent buys in, but again, that's hard to really get into until we get into the last book um, Yeah, about her, her ultimate motivations, you know, um, I, I think, I think she's just kind of evil. You think? No, I'm saying like, that's why she likes being a Sith is she's just mm. kind of evil. It lets her be evil. <laughs> you know, Yeah. there's partial to me. That's part of it, you know, is like Bane has this principled idea. And, you know, like I said, you know, to use Dungeons and Dragons terms, like I said, like he's very he's like lawful evil, you know, like he, and she's more chaotic evil. She's more she enjoys the killing a little bit more. She's out there having sex and, and killing people. And she, she, I think she, she enjoys, she's enjoying being evil a little bit more. And he enjoys being evil. And she comes across much more. And you kind of see a little bit about this next book, but more of a dark Jedi without the training, as far as how she acts than the Sith. Yeah. Where yeah. it's just, kind of like, eh, you know, I just like being bad and doing bad things. I mean, listen, he picked his apprentice when she was 10. It doesn't mean he necessarily got the right choice the first time, you know? Uh, yeah. We, we assume that, you know, he's that that's the right choice, but I'm not so sure, you know? So, mm-hmm. and, you know, neither is he. So it's, it, and, and he doubts her a lot and also doesn't trust her and shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe she just, he's got this bigger plan. He's got these bigger, for lack of a better term, principles. You know, a code. And she just likes being evil. <laughs> she's just discovered she likes being evil. I like I still like her, though. I think she's a yeah. good character. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten because I hadn't read this book. I had forgotten. I thought he was going to be in those shell things forever. Yeah, I had forgotten he comes out of them. Yeah. When he does. And he eventually just fries them, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With his own force lightning. Mm-hmm. And the cocoon of... Force and it's kind of gross when they come off. They talk about how nasty the wounds are and all that stuff. You know, it's being a Sith is tough on that body, <laughs> no matter how hunky you are. Mm-hmm. 
One question I had, when does this take place again? What, what BBY is it? About a thousand. Okay. So there's only 12 lost Jedi represented in the archives when Xana visits. So that means there, there are historically 21 in the, the current time period that we know. So we've got a thousand years to lose 10 more Jedi. That's not so bad. Yeah, one of them's Keeve Trennis. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was that that far back. That's why I was like, wait, we lose a lot of Jedi really fast, but a thousand years, that's not unreasonable. Plus, like, these are the years at the end, you know, like this last, th- like when we get, so it would make sense to me that in the last gasps of the Republic, you would get more, the closer the Jedi come to truly falling, the more people that would leave is all. You know? Yeah. So it seems like a fairly ripe period for there to be schisms. I mean, is Dooku considered one of the 12 or one of the 21? You know, I was never clear on that. I need a list of who the 21 are. Yeah, we don't have that because they're saving that for story material. (laughs) I know, but still, I I need to see. But I think Dooku was like the 21st or something. So Dooku does count. Okay. Amongst the the 20. Yeah. Yeah. So Dooku was number 20. Yeah. Um, So we've got, oh yeah, here's a list. Are the ones we know about from the Wakanan. Uh, Master Phaneas in 2000 BBY. Oh, of course he becomes, oh, yeah, he leaves and takes 50 Jedi with him. 900, oh, and 900 B, 990 BBY, 12 have left, although it's unknown. And Juku is the 20th. Skywalker considers himself the 21st member. And well, we know Keeve. Keeve is going to be one. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, we know there's a trendus there. But yeah, it seems to me that in the last thousand years, the rate of people leaving, I mean, and still, yeah, a thousand years losing nine people or eight people. Yeah. It's only eight people, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm saying it doesn't seem that bad. It just seemed that bad when it, I thought it was less time. I also think that's ridiculous that only eight people would leave <laughs> the course of a thousand years. It's the ones that they talk about. Well, and there's some. Um, Is it just masters? Yes, it's just masters. Yeah. Uh, or okay. they don't count Padawans. At least in Legends, some people consider Orisane as one of them. Right. Um, so that's probably gone. But she was a Padawan when she left. Because if it counts, Pat- we've talked about this before, some Padawans got to scrub out. Yeah, we've seen that. And yeah. uh, what's it called? Dawn of the Jedi and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. had that. I mean, I mean, that's not canon anymore, but it was at the point of, you know, a lot of this stuff. And, um, We've seen Jedi scrub out. You got to imagine, you know, some of them get shipped off to the agricultural core. Sure. But, you know, some of them eventually I I just it's eight over a thousand years seems like way too few. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you get as far as being a master, you're probably pretty well settled in. If it's only masters, though, but we don't know. Does Malak and Revan count? That's what I was just about to ask. Don't know. Mm hmm. Shan, yeah, Shan leaves the Jedi. There's all sorts of different ones. I don't know what they count. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, well, I mean, when did we first hear about the Lost 20? Attack of the Clones? Yeah, so yeah. who the hell knows? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a line in the script, you know, <laughs> like uh, that the George threw in there. I mean, he was probably like, oh, this will be fun, not thinking about the fact that, you know, in all the other fiction, there had been a bunch, you know. Now it's up to everybody else to fill it in. You still have much to teach me, Xana reminded him. I will continue to study at your feet, Master. I will learn from your wisdom. I will discover your secrets, unlocking them one by one until everything you know, all your knowledge and all your power is mine. 
And once you are no longer of use to me, I will destroy you. One day I will surpass you, Xana warned him. And on that day, I will kill you, Lord Bane. But that day is not today. So next time I, I will reveal the secrets of the Force Lake, Dark Side Lake, and we will finish out the trilogy with Darth Bane, Dynasty of Evil. Finishing off the trilogy of Bane and Xana, really good book with a nice uh, little kicker ending, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun to talk about. And it will also open us up conversation wise to be able to discuss the entire thing, because I think there's elements of their characters that just aren't revealed to us without discussing the third book. Rule of two only ends one way. So put your money down on who do you think is going to come out at the end, but you got a 50, 50 chance. (laughs) It's a very good book. And I think the trilogy actually closes pretty strong. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to reading it. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us tonight and we will talk to you all again soon. Happy Halloween. You have been listening to a needless things podcast. You can follow needless things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh. Roger, roger.